0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I wish you would pray a prayer with me as we begin, and just repeat the words out loud after me if you're okay with it. Father, what do you want to say to me today through your word? My heart is open, so please speak to me. So I read an article the other day, and the guy was saying in the article that I was on the phone with an old friend. We hadn't talked in a while, and somewhere in the conversation after we kind of exchanged, how are you doing, he said, so how's your business going? And my response to him was, feeling very blessed. He said, we did better this past year than we've ever done, and this year we're on track to do even better. He said, the words rolled off my tongue, feeling very blessed, like the Pledge of Allegiance. I've noticed a trend, he said, in many of us Christians, that when we experience material windfalls, we equate them with God's blessings. So we find ourselves saying things like, so blessed to have this new car, or going to close on the house this week, really feeling blessed Or, I just got back from a third world country, wow, realized how blessed we are in this country. He goes on to say, I don't know why I was born where I was born. I don't know why the opportunities have been set before me that have been set before me. It's beyond my comprehension. He said, the truth is, I live a very comfortable life but I don't know that Jesus sees me as blessed or if Jesus sees me as burdened. Because I think Jesus is asking me, so what are you going to do with all of this that you've been given? Will you use it for yourself or will you use it for others? Will you hold it close for your own comfort Or will you share it with people who need it? He goes on to conclude the article by saying, You know, I think I need to understand what blessing really means. And I don't think it's the house or the job or the standard of living or a car. He said, I think the definition of blessing in my life is that I know a God who offers hope to the hopeless, who loves those who need love the most, who comforts the sorrowful, and who truly cares for people who are hurting. And He has placed that same power in me. And so may I understand this blessing And whenever Jesus calls me, may my response be, yes, Lord, use me, I pray. And so, let me just ask you, I think it's a good question. Uh, Go back to the first slide. I know I messed with you in the first service. Does God see me as blessed, or does God see me, Jesus see me, rather, as burdened? So, we've been asking you... For these last few weeks in this series, blessed, we've been saying, are you blessed? Yeah, we're blessed. We really are. And the truth of the matter is, we do have a roof over our heads, right? Food on our table, I have clothes on my back. We've even got cars in our garages. We've got a source of income. And we have been created uniquely by God with talents and gifts and abilities. Think about it. Beyond all of that, we've been given Jesus, the good news of the gospel. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been born again. We've experienced the love of God. And He has given us His Holy Spirit to walk with us every day. Think about how blessed we really are. So here's the question for you. Now ask for that question. Considering all that I've been given. And I'm not just talking about material blessings. I'm talking about all that I've been given, okay? What is my responsibility in God's eyes? I think it's a great question to ask. And there's a story in the Bible that Jesus tells us that I think addresses the question completely. So when I think about all that I've been given, and I have been given a lot, in the eyes of God, what is my responsibility with all of my blessings? So will you get your Bible and turn it to Matthew chapter 25? And I'm going to start reading with verse 14, okay? I need to preface the reading by saying to you that Matthew's chapter 24 and 25, those two chapters, are all about Jesus saying to the listeners, You need to be prepared for when I return. So you've got to keep that in your mind. That's what these two chapters are all about. You have to be prepared for one day, I'm coming back and accounts will be settled. So here we go. Again, it will be, because this is the second parable about this, it will be like a man going on a journey. So he called out his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. Just the other day, I said, Annette, hand me that bag of gold, would you? I love the way Matthew tells the story. It's just like, it's a lot of money, okay? It's just a lot of money. He gives him five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, how many? Boy, you guys got to come along. Okay, here we go. How many? One. There we go. Each according to his ability. All right. Then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. That's impressive, isn't it? That's an investor. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Now that's an investor. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me, those are important words, with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. So here's what his master said. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. And so the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You ready for it? Here we go. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. So see, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that a harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned... I would have received it back with interest. It gets worse. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many of you would say, that's my favorite story in the Bible right there, that's it? I know, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a tough story. So, you know, as a pastor, I would say weekly, it's seldom that this doesn't happen. Somebody will drop a book by the church or hand me a book on Sunday morning. Hey, pastor, this book I loved, I thought of you, I bought you a copy. Or somebody will email me an article or in a video, or they'll text me something thought of you when I saw this, and I appreciate every one of them. If you ask me, do I read every book from cover to cover? It depends. Do you watch every video? Well, it depends. So not long ago, somebody sent me a video, and when I clicked on the video, I immediately saw that it was 17 minutes long. And I asked myself, I wonder how long I will watch the video. I watched all of it. It's the story of a guy named Alan and a woman named Catherine and their last names, a little different from yours, Barnhart. They own a big company in Memphis, Tennessee. It's, it's a big machinery company. They, they own and lease some of the biggest cranes in the world. They, they move things along interstates that are almost impossible to move. And so when they were young and newly married... The father and mother of Alan said to Alan and his brother, the two guys and their brothers and their spouses, we're tired. We don't want to work anymore. The company's good, but it's got so much potential. If you guys want it, you can have it, and you can grow it into a great company. And so now they've got a decision to make. Are we going to take on the company? Is this what we're going to do with our lives? And so Alan said, I begin to study God's Word Deeply, And after I studied God's Word for a time, I came away with two takeaways. The first was this, stewardship. God owns everything. We're just stewards. But God's the owner. He said the second takeaway after studying the Scripture was, wealth is a dangerous thing. The enemy loves to use greed to destroy people's lives. So he said, when we made the decision to take over the company, my brother and I, we started with three ideas. Here was the number one idea. God owns the business, not us. This is God's business, and we're just stewards. The second thing we decided was, we will limit our income. We will never become wealthy people no matter what the business does. So we're going to put a limit on our salary right now. We will live modest lives. In the video I saw the home they live in, the cars they drive. I think modest would be an understatement. Here's the third thing. We're going to make ourselves accountable to those two principles. So when we hire somebody, we're going to say to them, God owns this business. And the fruit of your labor will never increase our lifestyle. So Alan said, God bless the business. So we started with 10 employees. We now have over 1,000 employees. We started bringing in a million and a half a year. We now bring in 400 million a year. Did you hear me? 400 million. 400 million. He said the first year that we made money, we thought we're going to fund some ministry partners. And that year we gave away $50,000 and we thought this is so cool. But the next year we gave away $150,000. And within a few years, we gave away a million dollars one year. I remember he said the meeting where we set a goal to give away a million dollars a month and we did it. And then we had to make a decision. How much do we give away? And so we said, out of the profit that we get every year, we will take half of it and grow the company, and the other half we're going to fund ministry partners. He said, last year we gave away $21 million. So he said, my brother and I, in our mind, God owned the company. But the IRS was convinced that my brother and I owned the company. And so we met with our lawyers and our accountants and we said, we want to give it away. And they said, you know how many millions of dollars this company is worth? We know. And so now, the company is in a trust. We can never touch the value or the worth of the proceeds of the company. And truly, God owns it. And we're stewards. And we are giving millions of dollars every year to ministry partners. And one day... The ministry will have it all. So I watched the video and proceeded to feel completely awful about myself. I felt so challenged because I don't think about money like they think about money. On the other side of that conversation, neither do I think that every dollar that God gives me, He gives me just to spend on myself so I can just get richer and fatter and whatever. Nor do I have this attitude that I want to just save as much money as I can possibly save and go buried in the ground because, well, you can never save too much and who knows when you're going to need a gob of money. I don't think that way either. But here's what I thought about them. I think they see their lives as a funnel, not a barrel. And as long as the other end of the funnel is open, God just pours resources into their lives by the millions, and it just kind of pours through them, and then it just goes into their ministry partners. They see themselves as a funnel, not as a barrel. A barrel is where you just keep getting it fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller, and and then you kind of start rounding it over the top. Do you see your life as a funnel or a barrel? And so you come into church on a Sunday morning and we read this story that's kind of a hard story and we say, God, what do you want to say to me through this? And there's a few truths in this that I've got to deliver well to you this morning because they are life-changing principles. Here's the first one. My my favorite quote by A.W. Tozer is this. And if you want to write it down, I would love for you to. It's my favorite quote of A.W. Tozer of all time. And here's what he says. What comes into our minds... When we think about God, is the most important thing about us? I'll say it again slowly. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us? In other words, we all have a view of God, a perception of God. Is your perception of God accurate? That picture that you carry with you everywhere you go of what God is like, is that Him? Do you have the right picture of God? So in the story, there are two views of God. I'm going to tell you what they are, and then there is going to be a quiz. So you have to pay attention because you have to pass the quiz, right? Here we go. I'm going to give them both to you, then I'm going to ask you what they are. Number one, the first view of God that we see sounds like this. You have entrusted me that's the first view you entrusted me here's the second view you are a hard man you ready for the quiz what's the first view of God that we see in this story you have entrusted me yes did fantastic what's the second view you're a hard man So if the master represents God or Jesus upon his return in the story then the servants may represent us or the people Jesus was speaking to. If your view of God is you're a hard man I don't think I could ever please you. I don't think I'll ever be good enough. I don't know that I will ever live up. I think I'm going to spend my whole life falling short of your expectations of me. Is that your picture of God? Like an earthly father that can never be pleased? Here's the other picture. Look at the words. You entrusted me. So I just want you to look at these words for a minute and tell me what you see when you just focus on the words. Do you see what I see? God, you trust me. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You trust me? All of this that I've been given? You trust me with all of this? God, are you telling me? Are you you serious, man? Do you you actually? You trust me with all of this that you've given me? See, See, your view of God determines so much how you view what you have been given and what you will ultimately do with those things. It, this is the hard part of the sermon. It's a hard part of the story. It's the, um, you know, what? You didn't do anything? Take this guy and take the bag of gold from him and throw him into outer darkness. The only person in the story who is punished is the guy who did not invest. and I've I've toiled over it, and I've struggled with it, and I've looked at the passage every way that I know how to look, and this is the only conclusion that I can arrive at, and it's this. We will be judged according to what we do with what we have been given. I don't know what else to say. I, I know it's not inviting. I know it's not beautiful. I know it's not precious. I know it doesn't warm our hearts, but I think that that's what is being said in the Scripture. We will be judged according to what we do with what we have been given. I don't know what else to say. So there's something kind of cool going on over in Eswatini. We have a missions partnership with this small country in southern Africa. So a few years ago, I asked staff members, would you write down what you believe God is calling you to over these next few months or years? And Barbie Moore, our director of global outreach, wrote down that she believed God was calling her to do something about the young women in Eswatini who suffers from sexual abuse. It's a problem in the country. Polygamy is practiced there and it just leads to a lot of stuff. So she shared her vision with Doug and Margaret Eaton when they became her on-site coordinators and went to live there their first year. We didn't know what the answer was, but It seems that this is where God has led us. I have a picture to show you. This is a building, and it's called the Haven of Hope. It just has been built. Doug Eaton said, these young girls may have faith in Jesus. They may have hope, but they don't have a haven. They don't have a place to go. And now they have a place to go. There are many bedrooms that look like this one right here. Many of those throughout that building. And there's living areas that look like this. And it's amazing. In fact, it opens this week. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) It's so great. You know why it sits there today? Because many of you invested. It was just kind of this offering above and beyond. And some of you would say, well, Rick, I I, I did give. I, I couldn't give a lot. Well, the amount has never been the issue. One guy was given five bags of gold. He had a lot. Another two bags of gold, another one bag of gold. It's never been about how much you have. The question is always, do you invest? Do you remember the story about one day Jesus is at the temple treasury and, and, and there are these people coming and they're bringing their offerings to the temple. And rich people brought a lot of money. And then there was this little poor widow and she brought two copper coins. The Bible says worth about a penny. And she put in the two little copper coins. And Jesus says to his followers, she gave more than all the others. Because the rich gave out of their abundance, but she gave everything she had. See, it's not about how much I've been given. It's about whether or not I invest what I have been given. That's the other truth in the story. You say, Rick, I I live so comfortably. If we try to compare ourselves to people living in third world situations today, or even some people who live in our very own city. When I read the numbers about homeless children in Oklahoma City, I'm done. It finishes me. So if I live so comfortably, what, what am I supposed to give? I mean, tithe is easy. I mean, that's a round number, 10%. It's not hard to calculate. Good. I got a number. I'll give the 10%. That's great. It's the way God has funded His work now for thousands of years. This old church, 110 years old, you understand that for 110 years it has stayed alive because people have given 10% of their income week after week after week after week. But when I read the New Testament, it seems like it's different. It seems like Jesus has this narrative that says, really everything belongs to God. And so I can't give you a number. How much do I give in offerings beyond my time? I don't know. I think you look at everything you've been given, you say, well, I have good health. I've got some possessions. I've got some talents. I've got an income. And I think it's a matter of coming to God and saying, God, you've given me all of these things. How do you want me to invest them in the things that matter so much to you? Okay, so I want you to hear me really well. Do you know what I think one of the greatest blessings we've experienced as a church in the last many years is? This is my opinion okay one of the greatest blessings that we've experienced in this in this community of faith in the last several years. do you know what I think it is? I think it is the sanctuary renewal. hang on giving campaign best thing. That's happened to us in years. Not not the actual renewal itself, which I'm grateful for. But I think the best blessing, one of the greatest things that's happened to us in years, is the giving campaign. It changed my life. It's changed my whole understanding of money and resources. I will never be the same again. Many of you talk to me about how it has changed your life. One night, downtown, we got together and we made a commitment to invest as a corporate community of faith. And it changed us. And we just see money differently than we ever have before. I think we're beginning to see ourselves as funnels, (laughs) not barrels. Because it just seems to me that as we open ourselves to God and say, Let me be a funnel, He says, Okay. I've always asked myself if God had a lot of money to dump on a church, would He dump it on ours? God's doing stuff. So God's moving what he's doing in our mission work. I don't know all that God is doing. It seems like to me, I, I keep saying, Lord, what, what are you doing? Because he's moving in ways I've not seen him. Two lakes, the ministry that we have just down the street, a free clinic, a pantry, a church. People in that community are finding hope. I'm hearing stories about people who are coming to know Jesus. There's sometimes you try to get ministries going, and there's sometimes you just try to keep up. And right now with Two Lakes, we're just trying to keep up. God is doing stuff. I can't even understand all that God is doing. God is doing something in Hispanic ministry here. And I don't fully understand it, but God is putting something in our hearts. I don't know what He's going to do, but we're going to minister to Hispanic community somehow through this church. God's put evangelism in my heart. We've got to be sharing this story better And God's looking for investors. And I'm not talking about just money. And so you might be sitting here today. Say, Rick, I I hear you. And and I'm one on the wagon. How do I get involved? How do I start? So here's what we've got. There's a code that appears on the screen right now. And uh, I'm not technologically savvy, but you know what a QR code is. And so if you just take your camera and pop it up at the screen, it will take you to a link. So go ahead and do it if you don't mind. Grab your phone and, and pop it up there. Uh, copy the QR code it will take you to a link and what it does it will show you many places where you can give or where you can serve where you can be very involved in investing in God's kingdom work and I would challenge you spend some time on that page today and ask yourself and ask God where do you want to use me and where do you want to plug me in Chad and the band are going to come out and we're going to sing together. But I want to say one other thing to you. Brighton mentioned a moment ago to you that you may be here saying, Rick, I want to give more, I want to do more. But honestly, we, we need some help in some areas of our lives. Danny and Sonia White are going to be teaching a class starting this Wednesday night. A class on faith and finances, how to manage money God's way. Annette and I did a class something like this years ago, and it changed our lives. And so that's available to you. I I, I would say register. Get involved in that. And just learn some of the principles that the Bible gives us for managing money. Father, I come before you this morning realizing how blessed. And my heart is filled with gratitude. And I am filled with joy because of your blessings, Lord. I, I know that I'm responsible today. And so show me what it is. How do you want to use me? What's my responsibility? Guide me by your Spirit in these next steps of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name.